So this act of developing samadhi, which is the firm establishment of the mind, is very important. So this right, firm establishing, we call samasamadhi. And this samasamadhi, it comes from wisdom, from having right view and correct view. In the beginning, we need to develop this through being intent in all our activities. So whether we're studying or whether we're working, then we're intent in that, and we make sure our work is right livelihood as well. And this helps us to develop our lives and carry our lives on. We also have this firm establishment uh, in the orders and the regulations, the rules of the countries that we live in. And this is especially important in difficult times such as these with the epidemic that's been spreading around. If we have this right firm establishment in the orders and the regulations and the rules that have been set out by the governments of each country, then we'll be able to control the spread of this virus. But if the citizens of each country aren't uh, firmly established in these regulations, then the virus will just get worse. It will spread without stopping. If that happens, then there'll be great loss. Many people will die. Uh, The economies will uh, become destroyed. And uh, things will be very difficult and uh, chaotic in every country around the world. But if people, if the citizens of each country um, keep order and they keep the regulations that are set out and they have trust in the governments and the governments are, are good, they're run by wholesome people and wise people, then this will allow us to find safety from dangers. And uh, so it's important that we have these wholesome leaders and we also have trust in them as well, trust in those who have goodness and who are wise. So there was a story from one of the Buddha's previous lives where the Buddha was born as a bird and he had a large following. Um, but they split up into, into two groups. The Buddha separated out from the following and, uh, and some people joined the Buddha and some people stayed in the, in the other group. And So the Buddha, if I understood the story correctly, the Buddha said um, to his following that if there's a trap that's set out and they, they get caught in the trap, everyone should fly upwards. And then that will uh, allow them to, to lift the trap up and they'll be freed uh, from that trap. And so this actually happened. The, 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 Bodhisattva in that life and his following were caught, but they all pulled together and that allowed them to reach safety. 
This other group, however, they had no harmony. And when they were caught in this trap, then uh, everyone was just doing their own thing. Everyone was trying to find their own safety. And so they didn't get out. And uh, they met with their demise then. So it's important that we do pull together in times like these. And we try to keep the regulations that are, are set out and that will allow us to find freedom from danger. If each person has this firm establishment in the in the rules and in the regulations, and we do that well, then that can actually uh, help us to develop our samadhi. And we can use that then, that state of samadhi, to be able to free us from all dangers that arise. Because even though we may find safety from this particular danger, from this virus, we won't always be able to run away. And the reason for this is that all sankharas, all conditioned phenomena, they exist under the rules or under the laws of nature. The law of uh, that everything that arises is of the nature to last for a period and then decay. And this is the law of the three characteristics. This is the nature of nature. And this is how sangsara, the cycle of birth and death, operates. So there was a disciple of the Buddha who was asked why he ordained. And he replied that he saw that this world is unstable, that nothing in this world lasts. He replied that the world has no owner, that it's the owner of itself, or that old age, sickness and death is the owner of the world. And he said that the world is insatiable, that the heart that still has greed, hatred and delusion never knows a sense of enough. And people who are like this are always slaves to their defilements. He saw that um, we can't own anything in this world and that eventually we have to give it all up. We have to leave it all behind. So now we can see this very clearly in the state of the world as it is now and with all the dangers that can come up in the world and they can uh, occur very quickly. So there are floods, there are fires, there are earthquakes and there are viruses like this. Even though we, have, we may have a lot of wealth, it can be very quick that that wealth just leaves us. And we see news of even children are dying from this virus. We may have heard these teachings before that uh, some people die in the womb, some die as children, some die uh, in middle age. But now we're actually listening to this news and we're, we're seeing it happen. So when we watch the news, then we can contemplate into the decay of the, sang of the sankharas, of conditions, see how 
even children can experience this. People who are middle-aged, uh, those who are old-aged, every person and or people from every age or generation is passing away from this this virus. But there are also some people who are over a hundred years old and they've uh, contracted this virus, but they haven't died from it. So it's not sure as well. Sankara's conditions are things which need to decay as their very nature. And all rupa and nama, all physicality, mentality, this all um, comes under this law of decay as well. So when any of this arises, then it's of the nature of the mind to attach to it and apply a meaning of self, of me and mine to it. But as all of these things decay as their nature, then that action uh, gives us suffering. Even the Buddha had to pass into found Nibbana. His foremost disciples, his um, right-hand disciple and left-hand disciple, they all had to give up their five khandas, their five aggregates, following the course of nature. His 80 greatest disciples, all of the arahants that have come into this world since him, all of the Krubhajans, the awakened teachers, and Ajahn Chah, they all had to experience the decay of these uh, five aggregates. So that's just the nature to be that way. And this is showing us uh, the instability of these things. And this is such a Dhamma truth. So we should contemplate into this. And when we're doing that, what our minds will learn is a sense of heedfulness. Because if we go and attach to this body as being me and being mine, if we give it that importance, um, then we'll have to suffer when we experience old age sickness and death. So we can ask ourselves, well, if these bodies are really me, can I order them about? Can I tell them that I don't want to be old, so stop getting old? Can I tell this body to not get sick? Can I tell it to never die? Can we command um, our bodies like this? We can't, can we? We can't control them. We can't order them about. Whenever the body has causes for it to be alive and exist, then it will do that. But when those causes run out, then the body dies. And this is just nature to operate like this. So we should develop this practice a lot and really cultivate our hearts. If, because if we don't engage in this practice, then samadhi won't arise. Our minds won't be firm. And there's no way that wisdom then can arise. We won't gain any understanding into the nature of the body. We may try to think these thoughts. We may think these bodies are uncertain. This body is not mine. But whenever a mental impression arises, then our minds just go and attach to it immediately, go considering them as being me and mine. 
when this happens, then our minds suffer because of it. And it's, it's because we don't have enough wisdom and because our samadhi isn't strong enough. Because we're not restrained enough within our actions. So the development of samadhi, of this firm and stable mind, is of great benefit. It allows our hearts to become peaceful, and it allows our body and speech to be still. And when we've done that, then what's left is, is this training. The making of this peace very firm and uh, stable in the heart. So we can develop this through chanting. And as we chant, then we try and make our minds firm within that action, within that activity. We recollect the virtues of the Buddha, the Dharma and Sangha. And as we uh, think about these things and we chant these things, then our mind uh, becomes very uh, stable in that state. And this is samadhi arising. As we develop this practice of chanting, then all we need to do is just hear the word namo or chant namo, and already the heart is full of joy. We chant the praises of the Buddha, and there's a happiness that comes up in the heart, and the mind feels very uh, firm and stable. As we carry on chanting, then the heart becomes very full, and the body and mind both feel buoyant and light. And then the body and mind separate out, and we'll see that the mind is one thing and the body is something else. And through chanting, there's a deep feeling of ease and peace that comes about. So when we have this faith, then we should express that through our chanting. And we won't have to uh, force ourselves or control ourselves to develop samadhi when our faith is strong. We'll naturally just find the time to engage in meditation. Because we know that when we develop samadhi, then the mind is very bright and full. And we'll see that this is a, a valuable use of our time. When we train in this practice well, and we experience the results. When we've known uh, what the mind that's firm and stable is like, then we'll come to an understanding of the nature of this body. We'll see that even though we have bodies, we can't really control them. They're not within our, our bounds of, uh, of control. And then wisdom can arise from that and we'll be able to extract the pleasure that we find uh, in these bodies. We'll see that they are dangerous things, that they have drawbacks, and we'll be able to release our attachment to them. Release these views that we have that these bodies are really good things, that they're beautiful things, that they're a source of happiness. Because the truth is that they have to decay. And when they do that, uh, they can be excruciating. So we can watch on the news that uh, when people pass away from this coronavirus, 
there can be a great amount of suffering that they experience. And there's uh, and this virus just kind of squeezes the life out of their body until their minds are just forced to leave. And this is all teaching us that these things are not sure, they're impermanent, they don't last. When we've been born into the world, uh, this arises from our uh, attachments. This birth comes from attachment. And having been born, we need to experience old age, sickness and death. So whenever we attach, then there's birth that comes from that. And then we have to experience these other unpleasant things as well. And this is how samsara operates. The Buddha, when he took up this last birth, he was able to attain to awakening and become an arahant, uh, someone fully awakened. His mind was pure and the virtues that he had in his heart was great. He was able to teach this path of Dhamma, this way of practice, um, which starts with sila, the uh, developing of, of wholesomeness in our body and speech. And then uh, he taught the, the sila of the heart, of the mind, which we can refer to as samadhi. From this, then, wisdom is able to arise. And this is all developing the path that leads to freedom. Seeing that we already have faith in the Buddha and his teachings, we also need to arouse a sense of uh, effort and zeal in the practice. We have faith in the Dhamma of the Buddha, so therefore we need to be sincere in our practice, to always have mindfulness present in the heart, to know whenever the mind is going off into liking or disliking. Whenever it goes in any of these directions or either of these directions, then this isn't the path to practice. That's not the way that leads to the end of suffering. So what we want to do at that time is to bring the mind back to peace, to center it and keep it in a place of poise. And when the mind is centered and poised like this, then this is developing the path that leads us out of suffering. And that is, in essence, the path of Sila, Samadhi, and Panya. When we have developed this path and uh, let go of some amount of attachment, then we'll feel a sense of weariness and with regards to physicality and mentality, that these things are, we can't trust them. They're all unstable. And we always have to meet with separation. No matter how much we love something or someone, we know that we'll have to be separated from them. That we'll have to meet with death, or they'll have to meet with death. And so this brings up a sense of weariness towards these things. So we should contemplate a lot, develop this uh, quality of investigation into this often and to not be heedless. And so, with not being heedless, we also need to, to 
be proactive as well in terms of uh, protecting ourselves from this virus. But it's also not sure as well. The people are very afraid of getting these viruses these days, but we don't know whether we're going to die from this or not. And maybe we'll actually die before the virus comes around. So when we have uh, heedfulness and we have efforts in this path of practice, then we'll be able to uh, stop our minds from going off in either liking or disliking. And we'll be developing the path that leads us to seeing the truth. At the beginning, we may have many doubts. We may wonder whether this path is really the right path and whether I'm walking it correctly, whether it will take me to seeing the Dhamma. But when our mindfulness and samadhi is established well, then the body and mind will separate out and we'll be able to, they they separate out through samadhi. The kilesas will be suppressed temporarily through that state of concentration. And then when we leave that state and um, the mind experiences anything, whether it's a form that comes in through the eye or a sound that comes in through the ear, or a, uh, an odor, or a, a touch, a taste, or a mental object, a thought, or an emotion, then we'll have the strength of mindfulness to be able to follow that and be wise to it. So we can see that when samadhi is well established, then this, is, this provides us with the foundation for wisdom to arise and for us to let go of our attachments. So whenever, sorry, when the practice is developed to this point, then it becomes a lot easier. When our samadhi and our mindfulness is firm and uh, well-trained already, then the cultivation of this path is easy. And all we have to do is just put in a little bit of effort to uh, getting ourselves into samadhi, and uh, we'll be able to do that. The mind will focus very quickly. We'll just try to gather uh, the mind together and samadhi will arise without much difficulty at all. But in the beginning, it can be very difficult and there are many aspects to the practice and they can all be very arduous. But what we're doing is engaging in the practice that has suffering as its direct uh, result, but the future will be one of happiness. So to train ourselves uh, so that we can experience that deep happiness, we need to put in a lot of effort in this practice. So I ask for all of you to develop in this, to develop in the Dhamma, and may all of the lay people uh, develop right view and see and understand the truth. <laughs>